the Parsis of India, Pandemic, female freedom fighters you've never heard of. Who are the Sindhis of India? The exciting world of neuro-linguistic programming. Hi, welcome to WAC, a podcast hosted by me, Freesia. And on this podcast, no topic is off bounds. In each episode, we will unpack a different subject, from history to sex education, politics to how-to tips. Come join the tribe. Hey tribe, on today's show, I'm going to tell you about three women who fought for our independence against you-know-who. After researching about them, the one thing that came to my mind is that why are we not taught about these amazing women in our history textbooks? All three stories deserve to be made into big budget films so that finally more Indians can learn about them. And all those who do listen to what? Well, you can just get to know about them through me. Also, you as the tribe can share these women's stories by sharing this episode. And don't forget to tag this woman using the social media handles that are in the show description. So today, let's dive into these three very serious femme fatales from India's independence movement. Saraswati Rajamani was the daughter of one of the richest families in Rangoon. They owned gold mines and her father was actively involved with the freedom movement and contributed money and time towards the Indian National Congress. So much so that when leaders like Mahatma Gandhi came to Rangoon, they visited her father's house. Young and fiery Rajamani preferred the ideologies of Neta Subhash Chandra Bose, who wanted Indians to take up arms against the British. And in fact, when Netaji visited Rangoon, Rajamani took all her jewellery and donated it to the Indian National Army. When Netaji heard that a 15-year-old girl had come and dropped off a trunk of gold, he took it back to her house and returned it, saying that he could not take so much from an innocent child. She insisted that she knew what she was doing and that she had every right to do what she wanted because the jewellery was hers and not her father's. As if that wasn't enough, she also convinced Netaji to enroll her in the INA, where she joined the espionage division and earned herself the title of the youngest spy of India. Their mission was to spy on British soldiers. The plan was that she and four other women would dress up as boys and work as servants in their homes and offices where they were listening to conversations about tactical movements and relaying it back to the INA. So things were going pretty well until one of her partners was caught and arrested. This time Rajamani disguised herself as a Nachnewali and went to entertain the officers in jail. She drugged them and helped her friend escape. While escaping, the guards spotted them and shot at them. Rajamani was hit in the leg, but she kept running until she found a tree that she could hide in for three days until it was safe to escape again. After India got independence, Rajamani moved to Chennai where she spent the rest of her life working to uplift the downtrodden. Her family gave away all their wealth towards the freedom struggle. And in the end, she was living as a destitute in abject poverty. A journalist wrote about her and brought her story to people's notice, at which point the government of Tamil Nadu gave her an apartment and money. She died in 2018, and till today, the government of India has not officially recognized her contribution towards our independence. But let me now tell you about a woman who did receive recognition and her name is Aruna Asif Ali. 
on a small side note my family was very connected with her and that makes her especially close to my heart Aruna was 19 when she fell in love and married Asaf Ali one of the biggest legal names in India at that point so big that their wedding was attended by Mahatma Gandhi Jawaharlal Nehru Sarojini Naidu Maulana Azad and C Raja Gopal Acharya In fact Asaf Ali was the lawyer who defended Batukeshwar Dutt and Shahid Bhagat Singh in the Lahore conspiracy case and after independence he served as the first Indian ambassador to the United States Oh but you know what I digress By the time Aruna was 21 she was at the forefront of the freedom struggle and 2 years into her marriage she went to jail during the salt satyagraha The British were so threatened by her popularity that despite the Gandhi Irwin Pact of 1931 where all political prisoners were to be released she alone was imprisoned. But the Gora's plan fell flat on its face. In an act of solidarity all other female prisoners refused to leave jail until she was freed. And after a lot of public outcry and intervention by Mahatma Gandhi eventually Aruna was released from prison. On the 8th of August the full-blown Quit India movement was announced and the British arrested all major leaders. And so it meant that no one was left to lead the movement. Or at least that's what they thought. Aruna stepped in. She took charge of the INC and its Quit India movement, earning her the title of the Grand Old Lady of the Indian Freedom Struggle. A point to be noted is that she was only 33 years old at this point. The first thing that she did do was go to Gwalior Tank which is Bombay's iconic maidan for protests and unfurl the flag of independent India. This action by a young woman spread like wildfire and protests and demonstrations while they spread across India. Immediately after this Aruna had to go underground and she was hiding in Kerala with Edadatta Narayan who is another unsung hero of the freedom struggle. The British had put a reward on her head. but that did not stop her from continuing to inspire others through underground radio pamphlets as well as magazines eventually india got its independence and she became the first mayor of delhi but soon enough because of petty politics she gave it up and she never got into government work or contested elections again <laughs> until i did start researching this I did not even know that one of the first women to fight a war against the British 33 years before Mangal Pandey or Jhansi ki Rani was the queen in Karnataka called Kittur Chennamma. When the East India Company wanted to take over India, they declared this new law which was called as the Doctrine of Lapse. Now unless you were sleeping through your history class, this is what it was. Any Indian princely state under the suzerainty of the East India Company would have its princely status abolished if the ruler was either manifestly incompetent or died without a male heir. Chennamma was not going to get bullied and waged war against an army that was much bigger and stronger than hers. Eventually she lost and the East India Company took control of India. But as a nation showed her our gratitude and respect when we put a statue of her in front of the parliament house. Now every year in the month of October Kittur Utsava is celebrated in Karnataka in her honor. But the truth is that until I researched for this episode I didn't even know who she was. 
And I genuinely do think that the system, it needs to make us more aware. And until that system does not change, well, you know what? At least you've got whack. This is that one place where we unravel pretty much all the thoughts that you have ever had. My name is Frisia. I'll catch you guys very, very soon. Ciao. Thank you for listening to this episode of WAC. To make sure that you don't miss out on a new episode, subscribe to and follow the show on this app right now.